Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Beats of the Market podcast. I'm your host, Ed Martin. It's going to be a shorter episode today. We really covered a lot of what we needed to last week. Let's get it. It is Sunday, July 17th. We are moving right through this hot, hot summer. We've got drought conditions in Italy that appear to be the worst in 70 years. Seen some pictures of the Po River dried up. There's some talks about Garda say, like Garda, losing a bit of its levels there. And I can attest that while being in Croatia, the temperature was a lot hotter than I'm used to. Germany is expected to see some heat spikes next week. We have some models saying that places like Belgium could get as high as 42, 43 Celsius. That's about 110 for the American listeners out there. It's a very uncomfortable level because a lot of Central Europe doesn't use aircon. That's more of the South. So stay hydrated, stay cool, all that good stuff. Let's cover energy real quick. We're going to go over this a lot faster than I usually spend because we just spent so much time on the last couple episodes talking about it. And I think it's really well built into everyone's heads and it's just common news on the headlines. So we saw the U.S. strategic reserves move from 538 million as of May to 511 as of June. And that puts the stock at the lowest level since 1987. Biden had his meeting with MBS, Saudi Arabia, and they basically said, guess what, sir? We are not going to be able to provide more output. We see problems in Nigeria and Libya. There are logistical problems and political, geopolitical problems here. So OPEC came out and said to balance supply and demand, they would need to be able to get 30.1 million barrels a day in 2023, which is 1.4 million more than OPEC's 13 members pumped in June. So we are getting there, at least from their model. They're thinking by 2023, we would see demand, uh, we, we would see a glut. We would start to see the signs of a glut. Now, how long that takes to be priced in, I don't know. It's, um, a lot of this will depend on if Russia cuts the taps off. So in our previous episode, we were talking about how Russia could use the maintenance time until the 27th to stall the recovery and to put further energy pressure on Germany. And I think looking back on this, that may be incorrect because Russia wants to fund its eastern operations and it would make more sense to wait until winter or at least right before winter when you're supposed to be building out inventories and then they would cut the gas and that would create a lot of turmoil and headaches for u.s politicians as well another thing i wanted to go over in july of 2018 trump was recorded saying 
that the U.S. provides funding for Germany's military to protect them from Russia, and Germany is buying Russian gas. And their chancellor is on the board of a Russian oil company. He was completely on the nail with that, and he was drugged through the media. Now, he is not my favorite person by any means. I can't stand the majority of these people running the show on either party. I think they're despicable, but you got to give credit where it's due, and he was absolutely on the nail for that. That's it for oil this week and the energy markets. I'll cover that a little more as we get more data in those areas. This will be a little bit more Europe-focused this week. We saw the euro move towards parity for the first time in about 20 years and just really kind of consolidating around the support level on the USD euro. And we have seen so many European resignations. We saw Bojo, this Boris Johnson, he's out. We saw the prime minister of Estonia, she's out. We've got a potential no confidence vote for Italy's prime minister here. And that one's a bit more important in my estimation because Italy's prime minister is accredited with solving the um, 08 financial crisis and restructuring some of the country's debt and helping them get through that turmoil. So if there is a no confidence vote in the political drama that continues in Europe and he's out, then that just by the image of it could cause further downward pressure on the euro because Lagarde and the ECB continue to be slow on their rate hikes here. Now, these rate hikes are starting to increase in size, frequency, and you've seen Canada's bank, Bank of Canada, through a 100 basis point raise on the table. We've had the largest rate hiking cycle since 94. We're quite a bit past that at this point. Again, drawing back to similarities of the 70s, where you had the Yom Kippur War, that energy crunch. And you're seeing some of these um, countries with more potential for political instability, I should say it like that, have more rate hikes. And so it's almost like a race to who can have the strongest currency and get out of this mess. Nobody wants to be left behind. And it's really almost a global economic war at some point for the reserve currency. Now, the U.S. dollar is by far the most liquid market out there. But as we continue to move through this, the U.S. has so much debt that it can only raise, high, uh, raise interest rates so far. And at some point, those hikes will cripple the manufacturing component of the U.S. economy. So if borrowing costs are spiking too quickly, that's when you really start to crush your economy and slow things down in a way where it starts to hurt more. So the first mistake being the lack of rate hikes. Now the risk they risk over-tightening, and we've still got... I believe 75 basis points on the table. At one point, we had a 85% probability of a 100 basis point hike. And then we had uh, Atlanta's Fed boss that come out and basically said, no, that's way too much. We can't do that. 75 still on the table. That dropped the probability to under 50%. So now we're back at 75 uh, basis point hike. We move right along with it until something breaks. This quantitative tightening they've said they're going to do, 
I don't think they're going to be able to do it. They're still easing from the, what the numbers say. And round and round we go. Now, before when we were talking about the European rate hike cycle, one of the implications of this is if investors feel the bonds are mispriced, that is that companies can't raise debt by selling bonds, then these bonds will go no bid and corporations or businesses won't be able to raise cash correctly. And we're seeing that there was a report that came out from the Financial Times saying that European debt issuance has essentially fallen off a cliff as much as 75% of Europe's high risk debt is going no bid. And so you're going to really start to see a crunch in European junk bond markets. There could be some shorts there. You know, that's not investment advice as usual. Do your own due diligence. We've probably seen some of that. I haven't looked at um, European bond ETFs, which I think the whole concept of a bond ETF is just a mess to begin with. But I'll be watching some of these European companies to see if they can raise debt. If these investors are looking at things like six or 7% bonds and they're saying, nope, I'm not being compensated correctly for the risk, then that tells you that rates are going to have to go a lot higher. We saw that with Italy and the ECB kind of stepping in and saying, hey, we're not going to let these bond spreads blow out. But at some point, something is going to have to give because if they don't raise rates or they try and step in with yield curve control to manipulate these bond yields, then the, it's going to be reflected eventually in the currency. And I think we've been seeing that happen a lot faster with the euro to dollar falling about 20% in just a year. So more to be seen on that front, something to keep an eye on. We had Larry Fink of BlackRock come out and said, don't worry so much about high oil prices. We should be worried about higher food prices. Now, I'm not exactly sure how to take that. I think he's relating this to these high temperatures and some of these droughts and forest fires really digging into food security. But it's also what we talked about in the last episode with China or other countries moving produce contracts through their leverage to them, whether they're hoarding, whether they really need it, whether they're seeing shortages. We did see those videos in China of people at the grocery stores just going completely crazy. Now, speaking of China, and Taiwan and Eastern Asian U.S. manufacturing, where the U.S. outsourced a lot of its uh, you know, factories, we're starting to see the largest rate of manufacturing construction, um, at least in spending, for 2022. So the, there's a factory building boom in the U.S. right now. And I think that this is in relation to manufacturing security. So we've talked about energy security. We've talked about food security. Now we're kind of looking at the labor market and finding ways to talk about factory security, whether it's building chips, where the U.S. kind of has this uh, chips bill on the table where they want to put some spending in for that. That might be worthy of attention. Business insiders reporting that Paul Pelosi exercised 200 NVIDIA call options. So he bought 20,000 shares of NVIDIA. It's estimated to be worth between one and five million. And that's before uh, Pelosi, not just Pelosi, but Congress takes this chip infrastructure bill to Congress. So just perfect timing. Once again, insiders at the White House buying up shares 
before they influenced bills. They did this with shares of Tesla as they pushed for infrastructure spending towards renewable energy and the electric vehicles market. And there's a website. I don't know if it's still up. I know the the U.S. got super pissed and took it down, but it was like Nancy Pelosi portfolio tracker. It was fantastic. It was like you could look at all of these trades and basically just see where legislation was moving. And you could even coattail some of those trades and make some money. I think in the long run, we really need to do away with this shit. Let's talk big earnings this week. We had uh, or last week we had JP Morgan come out and had less than favorable results for the market, sold off about three or four percent on the news. And Jamie Dimon came out and he said something really interesting in the report here. He said, to our global economy, we are dealing with two conflicting factors operating on different timetables. The U.S. economy continues to grow and both the job market and consumer spending and their ability to spend remain healthy. But geopolitical tension, high inflation, waning consumer confidence, the uncertainty about how high rates have to go, and the never before seen quantitative tightening and their effects on global liquidity combined with the war in Ukraine and its harmful effect on global energy and food prices are very likely to have negative consequences on the global economy sometime down the road. So we remember that from our second episode where we said there's a storm coming or his his words were, I believe there's a hurricane coming. It's not quite here yet, but it's down the road. And some things to take away from from the bank earnings was seeing a consumer that is levering up. We talked about that before, too. So something to keep an eye on here and just remember that they suspended their buyback. And I think Jamie Dimon is a very, very sharp individual. He kind of sees the writing on the table. And so those buybacks are likely to be cut too. So keep an eye on that. And we also haven't seen any real earnings revisions to the market. So I think from our sell-off from 4,800 down to 3,800 where we are now, and we're just consolidating trading in this tight range here, we've seen the excess premium and liquidity from COVID stimulus just kind of bled off. And now we have to get through this uh, recession that I believe we're in. But the other component, as Jamie is saying here, is that the job market is still really tight. We're still seeing wage pressures. So some of these places are seeing a continued price wage spiral or wage price spiral. That's something to keep an eye on here. And as these rates go higher, the potential for default or for dominoes to fall gets higher. We saw that with crypto and some of these tethers that might be tied to commercial paper or other high yield debt markets. And these things fall and then the liquidity dries out or the insiders are selling shares, whatever it is, or if they're using shares to back any of this. And then, you know, companies like Riot or blockchain, whatever it might be, just lose 90% of their value. And it has chain like like a domino effect inside these markets. So it's something I'd be keeping an eye on. How I position myself with this is I'm like 50, 60% cash. I had some currency hedges in place. I was using Swiss francs. That tends to be a good place to kind of hide when shit hits the fan. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I do think that we are going into a recession and I don't know if it's like we hit the wall and some massive default comes or if there's problems in these bond ETFs, or if we just see total fragmentation in, in Europe and in the EU. I have no idea. I'm not going to pretend no. 
but I'm saying that as rates go higher, the tail risk or the occurrence of a black swan increases. It's just like you're turning the heat up. You put a glass bottle on your stovetop and you're just slowly turning the heat up until something really just starts to break. So I'm a little bit careful here. I'm cautious. I did remove my option trades. Those were very nice. That worked out well for me. I was short Apple for a while. I found the options back in December were very, very mispriced. And then when Scion released their 13F, I realized that Burry and I had some overlap in that trade. So I felt like, okay, now I know I'm in the right trade. I'm still short. So full disclosure, I'm short Apple. I'm short NVIDIA. And I think we will see this chip bill come out. You will see a lot of momentum and excitement get into these chip makers. But there's just not going to be enough earnings power to keep their valuations justified at 38 times forward earnings. It's totally ridiculous. And so those are very small positions, less than 1% positions for me. And so what I'll be doing is I'll wait for these things to run maybe 30, you know, let's say 10 to 30% higher. I'll evaluate those. And then I might wait for a quarter to come out and just see what kind of information we're looking at. And then I will lay into those shorts because those tech companies, those high growth companies, as rates go higher, as energy costs remain elevated, we're still at 100 here for, for crude, will just get eviscerated. So I am short those companies. I have a couple other names that I'm short. I'm not shorting them through options. I'm in traditional short sales. And they are negative carry trades. I'm also short SPY and I'm short triple Qs, the tech stocks. I'm long gold. I am long some oil companies. I am long some currencies. And I am using ultra short duration treasury bills and tips in my portfolio. So that's where I position. That is not investment advice. You don't have to copy my trades. Please don't. Please do your own research. Fit your own risk level. Consult with a financial professional. I just wanted to be open and talk about my portfolio. I also have some other positions in like Brazilian oil companies. Like, actually, I'm not. I'm not going to name those companies. But there's other there's other ponds to fish in. So some of these countries might benefit from a well. A lot of emerging markets won't benefit from a strengthening dollar. The strengthening dollar is like a wrecking ball. It just tears everything into pieces. But I think. Dixie, that's the dollar index, can only go so high. I don't think the U.S. has the guts to really push through with this hiking cycle. I think something breaks and they pivot, but that is further down the line than we think. So we get Powell here. He's aggressive. We got 75 basis points, maybe 100 on the table. They push through this rate hiking cycle. We get into this recession, and at some point, they're not going to be able to tighten if they have a really hard recession, unless something drastic happens like China, Taiwan, let's say the war in the East. So those, I think when, what Jamie Dimon is talking about is we don't know how high these rates have to go. There's geopolitical risk that's on the table. So speaking to those points, and we still have to see how quantitative tightening plays out and the U.S. has never done that. They've never done QT. So I think they're just using it as a jawbone to price down some of these inflationary pressures. And it works a little bit. But in the long run, the market's going to figure it out. So I don't think we end up seeing any QC. And we just have to see how the cycle goes on. 
Remember that a stronger dollar is weak on gold, so gold will continue to get crushed as the dollar gets stronger. We've seen that. Gold has really sold off harder than stocks. I think it's all very fascinating. We're seeing a lot more honesty come into the markets. Sure, there's going to be manipulation. There's going to be hedge funds going excessively short or long or using options to inflate, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it always kind of happens, but we're starting to see a lot less of that. We've seen a lot of these guys blow up. And it's entirely possible that we'll continue to see them blow up. We saw that Archegos, Bill Huang with the total return swaps. And it's all just a function of leverage and rates. And so at the end of the day, as the rates get higher, as the value of money increases because it's more expensive to borrow, we start seeing honesty come back into the markets. And I just love seeing that we're very early here. Everything kind of looks like it's doing what it's supposed to. Gold's been selling off as the dollar gets stronger. I don't really know where things are going. I'm just kind of taking the data as I see it. I hope you took something away from this. I hope you have a chance to invest and you're fortunate enough to not be crushed by the cost of living. And thank you so much for listening. Again, none of the things that I said on this are investment advice. Always consult with a professional and assess your risk level. Everyone's tolerance and situation is different. Thank you so much for listening. Much love. talk about may be actively held